Hello, friends. Addison Bevere here, and today we have an amazing episode for you. We're currently in the middle of our Reset Church series, and the goal of this series is to challenge the general perception of the body of Christ. We believe there are amazing things happening in the church at large, but that's not necessarily the story being told. Hopefully, we can present a new narrative by introducing you to emerging leaders who are working to advance the gospel in compelling and creative ways. If you missed previous episodes, be sure to go back and listen so you are all caught up. And today, I have the honor of introducing you to my friend, world changer, Dominic Rousseau, the founder of Missions Me. Dom, how are you today? I'm doing amazing, Addison. So good to be on the show today. Man, it's so good to have you on here. And I I know I just called you a world changer. I want our audience to know that that is not an overstatement. And they're going to understand in a bit why I call you that. But Dom, how long have we known each other? When did we first meet? I feel like this has to go back to middle school, right? I think I was 13 or 14. I think I think so. You were I think, a few years just younger. Yeah, because I think what we're three years apart, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I re- so we're 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 two two decades plus, man. Come on, man. That's amazing. And we did we did some Christmases together. Our families eating lots of the good food, memories. playing bocce ball. <laughs> the best. <laughs> Super competitive on the bocce ball courts. <laughs> exactly. Your dad. Exactly. Your dad with his with his subtle trash talk, getting under everyone's skin. <laughs> it's incredible. Your dad is probably the best trash talker I've ever met in my entire life. Totally and completely true. But he does it in such a God honoring way. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> <laughs> that combined with with your dad's inability to to let you win. Even oh man! The kids. Oh man! You gotta earn it in the Bevere household. <laughs> That's absolutely right. <laughs> there are no give me's. Anyway, well, Dom. Obviously, I know a lot about you. We're Covenant brothers. We go back a long way. But I would love for our listeners to get to hear more about you and why you founded Missions Me. Amazing! Thank you so much, Addison. Again, and uh, I'll never forget being a twelve-year-old boy and a Wednesday night church service at my dad's home church, and, and I grew up as a pastor's son, so that meant I was spending all kinds of time in church. Uh, I was in church on Sundays, Wednesdays, women's Bible studies, senior citizens gatherings. I mean, sometimes I felt like I was literally raised in the building. But I'll never forget one particular Wednesday night. I was sitting with my friends towards the back. We had a guest speaker in, so the the, the youth and children were actually in with the adults and. I'll never forget as he told his dramatic testimony of conversion at the conclusion of the service. He said, if you feel God has a special plan for your life, I invite you to come forward. I want to pray with you. I turned to a few of my friends and said, I feel like I want to respond to that. And I'll never forget walking up to the front that day. And as that man began to pray over me, I had an encounter and really an experience with the God I grew up hearing about. Hmm. Uh, So, so real and profound was that moment for me that I remember as a 12 year old boy, all I could do was cry. And for nearly an hour, I wept and wept as I was feeling the, the actual presence of God for the first time in my life. And, and then God began to give me a passion for the nations of the world. Wow. I saw myself ministering and speaking in different nations and cultures, different ethnicities and people. And I think it all began at that moment. At 12 years old, I knew that this would be what I would be living my entire life for. And of course, all through high school and middle school, I began to see the world. 13, I spent two like two weeks in Guatemala. 14, I spent a month in Calcutta, India, working in Mother Teresa's home. 15, a month in Africa. And by the time I was 17, leaving home for ORU, there was no doubt in my mind that global missions and outreach would be my life. And between my junior and senior years there at ORU, we officially launched the ministry. Wow. I remember that. I remember journeying with you. 
and being three years behind you, I would hear you talk about the vision that God had placed inside of you. And it challenged me. Mm. I mean, I think our listeners, they need to put themselves in that place of being a 12 or 13 year old kid crying in front of your friends. That's not something you want to do. Mm. That's not something you want to do at that age. So true. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but that call so in that moment, that that experience of being marked, that was unshakable. And it's it's led you on this journey to to break down a lot of barriers and to overcome obstacles that people said, there's, there's just no way this can happen in this space. So true. And as we're talking, I'm remembering even when I was 14, a couple of years later, your dad actually coming through on a weekend and prophesying and speaking over my life and confirming uh, and affirming what I felt the Lord began to put in my heart when I was 12. So it's it's been cool to see how the the Messenger family and the Bevere family have played such an integral part in helping to release the the call and destiny on my life. Yeah, that's amazing. So, all right, so you got this heart for missions, and you went all over the world. You did what we would call traditional missions, but then you were inspired. You felt motivated to start something called One Nation One Day. So, tell us about that. Yeah, for us, the transition was was pretty significant. As an ORU student. I spent hours in this room at ORU called the Holy Spirit Research Center. And in that room, there were a hun- there was a hundred years of outreach and, and, uh, and really dia- uh, catalogs of video and, and literature of some of the great moves of God of the 20th century. And I would spend a lot of time looking at the international outreach uh, legends and how they did it, what their model was. And running out of ORU and starting the ministry, I really copied and pasted that traditional, what we would call crusade outreach or traditional outreach model. And it's very much more of a personality-driven model. So you're you're going into cities and nations and asking people to come and, and hear this man of God uh, stand on a platform and speak. And there's certainly fruit there, and I certainly wouldn't be critical of it, but I just had a sense for me that there had to be a new model for a new generation. There had to be a way to not just capture the attention of a city or a region, but capture the attention of an entire nation. I think in the in the traditional model as well, an international ministry comes into a place and invites the local churches to unite. And oftentimes they're actually building a platform for that international ministry. And we began to really come to the conviction that the vehicle that God has ordained to sustain the discipleship and transformation of nations is his church. It's the local church. So why is an international ministry? Are we asking them to build a platform for us? Instead, what if we would come in and build a platform for the local church? So the foundations of wrestling through the sustainability question, the local church question, and really how do we platform the local church in a nation? How do we also do something so big that every human being in an entire nation has access to the gospel in a concentrated moment in time? Those questions began for us to form the One Nation, One Day vision and model. Wow. And and where did you do your first One Nation, One Day event? Where was this model first experimented and explored? I'll never forget being 26 years old and finding myself in the office of the president in 2011. I Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You were in the office of the president at 26 yeah, years old. Yeah, yeah, the office of the president of Honduras. How did that happen? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't you know, just I, happen. I, you don't just find yourself in the office of a yeah. president. How did that happen? I like to say when you continue to ask the right questions, you eventually find yourself in the presence of the right people. That's good. Remember that moment in, in David's life where uh, he is approaching the battlefield simply carrying cheese and crackers by the instruction of his father to his brothers at the battlefield and 
he he arrives at the battle scene and the Bible says he begins to ask questions. Who yeah. is this giant that he's allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And Come what's on. the reward if you kill that giant? And the Bible says moments later, Saul's requesting him to come stand before him. And David's literally just trying to be obedient to his dad to, to bring refreshments to his brothers at the battlefield. And, and moments later, he's eyeball to eyeball with this king. And for us, all we did was ask one question to many leaders across the country. And that is the question posed by the ancient prophet in Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8, can a nation be saved in one day? And as we began to ask that question in the country of Honduras, it it actually led to the office of the president. That's how we found ourselves there uh, several years ago. So that question created space for you to have a conversation with the most influential person in the nation. Absolutely. And and I knew if we were going to take a leap at this level, we would need presidential support. We would need a formal open door in the country. And, and so I just told the president, I said, Mr. President, I know the nation's in pain. Unemployment's over 40%. They're calling this the world's murder capital. There's the highest homicide rate per capita than in any other nation outside of a war zone. There's been great pain in the nation since what many called a coup in 2009. But what if in part Isaiah was speaking to this moment in your history? What if all of Honduras could be changed, could be healed, could be saved in one day? I said, Mr. President, if we're going to launch this vision in Honduras, I just we're going to ask that you would help us with five things. Number one, stand with me on Saturday, July 20, 2013, and together from the nation's capital, we'll speak to the entire country. Number two, pass legislation through your Congress, calling One Nation One Day an official national holiday. Three, open up the ports and borders, allow us to ship 18 shipping container loads of humanitarian aid and books without any taxes or hangups at the borders. Four, open up every public high school in the entire nation, allow our missions teams to come to a one-hour school-wide assembly with an altar call moment. And, and five, this was the big request, give us the 18 largest stadiums in the capital cities of all 18 states at no cost to us. And obviously at that moment, I had no idea what the president was going to say. Did he laugh at you? I mean, what what was his response to that that kind of gusto? Yeah, you know, you go into a moment like that and you, you're you not fully prepared with exactly what you're going to say. You're really reading the atmosphere. And sure. it was incredible. The, the presence of God was so tangible in the room. I just felt such freedom to ask for, for everything, everything that was in our heart. And it was amazing because at the conclusion of the meeting, he signed the resolution. And some people said it's one thing to get the presidential support. There's no way that this is going to pass through a, a Congress like that. And six months later, the bill passed unanimously through the Honduran Congress. And One Nation One Day with all five of those provisions became law in the country. It was pretty incredible. That's phenomenal, Dom. Absolutely phenomenal. So you mentioned earlier that you believe the local church is God's vehicle of transformation. And a lot of a lot of the traditional ministry model has been around a single person, a single gift, and creating a platform for that person or that gift. Talk to me about why you partner with the local church the way you do and why you think that is the model that God is using to bring national, local, and global transformation. The one thing that Jesus said he would build was his church. He said, I will build my church. And, and against the church, the gates of hell wouldn't even be effective. Nothing actually will be able to stop the empowered church of Jesus Christ. And, and the local church was God's idea. The office of the pastor was his idea. Gathering in community was his idea. Uh, discipling through the mechanism of the local church was his idea. This was all God's plan. And really, we just, it, it's for us, it's walking according to the pattern that he set out in scripture. 
And I think it's an injustice when you have a ministry that's that's not a local church like ours that is uh, parachurch. Uh, I love what Messenger says. You guys say you're pro-church. We've adopted that language now to say we are a pro-church ministry. And so everything we do lives in and through the church. Yeah. We believe it's God's pattern and God's design. And it's so much more sustainable because if, unless you're going to move your family and live in that country or in that city or in that region, then it has to live in and through the local church because that's where the sustainability is really going to be the most significant. So, Don, what would you say to people who would make the argument that the local church is institutionalized, it's broken, it's antiquated, it's corrupt? What would you say to people like that? Like, man, God God doesn't really work through the local church. We, we are the church. We individually, we are the body of Christ. We don't, we don't need this idea of the local church. There has to be better ways for God's message to get into the nations. It's, it's an appealing line of thought on the surface uh, because it looks like it's, it's more organic and more real and more authentic to, to just say everybody's the church, but it's just not biblical to approach the text that way. I mean, at the end of the day, Jesus instituted the office of the pastor. And I think a lot of that desire, especially from our generation, to, to push back on gathering weekly or having the accountability of a pastor over them is really a desire for, for no accountability. Uh, people want to be able to live how they want. They don't want to have to serve under a vision or under a leader. They don't want to be open to correction or instruction. And 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 that's just not the way that we thrive and flourish and ultimately grow. And I think we have to take a really close look at the biblical model and we'll quickly discover local churches and the office of the pastor was instituted. And it's so important and so critical. We honor that structure in addition to the revelation that we're all the church. It's both, but it's not It's not either or, for sure. It's both and. You, you would say both and, not either or. For sure. Yeah, I would agree with you entirely. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who finds themselves today with a God-sized dream in their heart, but they have no idea where to start? What, what would you say to them? Hey, this is, this is how you begin that journey toward realizing what God's placed on your heart, seeing that manifest in your world. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a unique combination of identifying that spiritual authority and leader, leader in your life that's going to help steward and, and speak into what you feel God set you on the planet to release. Because every single one of us, we didn't just come from our parents We're not just the result of our parents' decision. We actually came through our parents. Our life, our destiny, the call originated in the heart and mind of God. And God actually sent us to the earth to fulfill and release an assignment. And when when you can identify who that pastor, who that spiritual leader is in your life that God's put you under and around to to really help you guard and, and speak over, I think that's the first step. I think the second step is being extremely faithful with where you are saying honestly, God, what have you entrusted in my hand today? If you're a a university student, are you exceeding? If you're a high school student, are you representing Christ well in that context? Wherever you find yourself in life is, am I being extremely faithful today? And then thirdly, the, the challenge is to not think you have to have extraordinary faith to do something great. What I love about what Jesus was so clear on in scripture is he didn't say, if you have the faith like Abraham, he didn't say, if you have the faith like King David, he didn't say, if you have the faith like John the Baptist, Mm. he said, if you have faith like a seed, 
and not just any seed, the tiniest, the smallest seed, a mustard seed, you could look at that mountain and command it to move and it would obey you. And I think that's the encouraging, amazing thing. We don't have to be a giant in faith to do something supernatural, impossible, rule-breaking. We have to have really the smallest amount of authentic trust in God. And he'll begin to take us on a journey and on a path that exceeds all of our wildest expectations and imaginations. That's so good, Dom. So let me ask you another question. Do you believe that God has a dream for every single person's life? I absolutely do. I, I, I believe, kind of as I was saying earlier, that every single one of us was, were not just born on accident, but we were actually sent to the earth to release a purpose, to fulfill an assignment ultimately to fulfill God's dream. And that's the great beauty of our journey is discovering and uncovering what his dream is for our life. And I don't know of anything that brings you closer to God than that pursuit, because the uncovering of that assignment can only be found in the presence of God and, and through extended time with the Holy Spirit. Sure. And it's too big for you. Absolutely. I mean, if you're really tapping into God's dream for your life, you can't sustain it on your own. Absolutely. So if you're not plugged into his heart for your life, his vision for your life, there is no way you're moving toward the fulfillment of that promise or the fulfillment of that dream. So you would say to people who, who would say like, I don't have a dream for my life. You would say, start by getting plugged in. Start by getting connected with a local church. Start by submitting to a leader, a spiritual leader. What, what would you say to them? Where would they start if they say, look, I want to have a God-sized dream, but I, I don't have one? Yeah, I would say absolutely. Obviously, plant in the local church and start spending extended time in prayer and in the Word. If you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't consult a thing. You consult a manufacturer. And God is the one who created you. God's the one who sent you to the earth. So if you want to uncover your purpose, you have to take extended time with him. And that's the most incredible part of the journey. As you take time in prayer, as you shut the door of your room and seek his face, as you get in your car and drive and, and worship and seek him uh, early in the morning, late at night, in the middle of the day, just place your heart before him. He actually will begin to write on your heart. He'll begin to seed your heart with dreams, with seeds of passion. You won't even be able to contain the passion and the excitement for what your purpose is because God, God himself will put it there. That's why it says in the scripture, delight yourself in God and he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't believe that just means he satisfies your heart's desire. I believe that means he actually plants the seeds of desire in your heart to begin with. And I love what Proverbs 20 says. It says, purpose in the heart of a man is like deep waters, but the man of understanding draws it out. I think there's a lot of people out there. They're like, hey, I want to have this big Big dream. I want to have vision for my life, but they're unwilling to pay a price. So true. They're unwilling to invest the time to draw it out. And the reality is, if you don't pay that price, if you don't spend the time to draw it out in prayer, through service, through studying the scripture, through being faithful in whatever context you find yourself today, then you will not appreciate the gift that the dream is. Mm. And I think a lot of people, Dom, they have no idea that they're actually living in the middle of the dreams that God has placed inside them because they don't have eyes to see. Hmm. They don't so have true. eyes to see the beauty, the purpose, the wonder that God has placed within them and around them. Hmm. Because not everyone is called to do what you're doing. Hmm. Not, not everyone's called to do exactly what you were doing as the leader, as the founder of One Nation One Day. But we are all called to change our world every single one of us. And that looks different just depending on the gifts and talents that God's placed on our lives. So absolutely. Maybe this might be a hard question for you to answer, but what are some challenges that you had to face and overcome to build this movement? What are some of the things about you or in you that, that almost derailed or sidetracked you 
um, in, in your exploration of this dream that God's placed in your heart? I think every single one of us have to stand in attention of what God said versus what I see. Tom, I want, I want you to say that again. I want to make sure no one misses what you just said. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think every single one of us have to stand in this tension between what God said and what I see. Oftentimes, what God says looks so different than where we find ourselves today. And I remember, especially as the purpose of God was becoming clear to me and the call of God on my life was becoming clear to me, that the only question I would ask continually is how. Because I see no path. I see no logical way to get from where I am now to what I feel God's placed in my heart. And, and I think as you look at the pattern of Scripture, this is the, the journey that God takes people on so many times. He begins to give them a glimpse of their future, and it could not look further from possible, and, there, and it could not look like there's a, a, path, a logical path to get there. Most of the time, they travel backwards. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, not only do you, do, you not, do you not take a step towards it, you actually take a step in the opposite direction. I've been teaching on Abraham so much, and it's, it is incredible that God tells him, you're going to be the father of nations. And then he's a hundred and has not one son, not one daughter. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, same thing with Joseph, same yeah. thing with David, mm. same thing with Jacob. Mm. So true. It's all the same story. It really is. It's incredible. But I think, you know, the opposite of, of living by faith, I don't think is fear. I think the opposite of love is fear. Perfect love drives out fear, expels fear. I think the, the opposite of walking by faith is living confined to what we see with our physical eyes. Think about the moment where God tells Joshua, Go to Jericho, march around the city, and, and on the seventh day, seven times, and then the walls are going to come down. If if you were if you were God, or wouldn't you, you know, think maybe on day three I'll start to show them it's working. I'll I'll put a hairline crack in the foundation, <laughs> or maybe on day seven, lap four, one or two boulders can fall. Yet God doesn't even have one thing change for seven days and for seven days on day seven, seven times, because I don't want my people to be results driven. I want them to be obedience driven. I don't want them to live confined by what they see. Instead, I want them to walk by faith and by simple obedience to my word. And and I, and I think with all of my heart, God says, I'm going to give you the promise. I'm going to give you a, a picture of your future, a glimpse of what I've called you to. And then the word of the Lord is going to be tested in your life. And you're going to have to make a decision. Are you going to be moved by seemingly no uh, activity in the direction of your destiny? Are you going to be moved by the fact that you might be taking backward steps? Are you going to hold fast to what God promised you? Are you going to actually continue to forge your character? Are you going to continue to be extremely faithful with where you find yourself today? And if you pass those tests, God will begin to open doors that no person can shut. It's, it's an absolute fact. It's a principle. It, it happens when we're extremely faithful and obedient to what he's uh, entrusted us right now. I love what you said about living in the tension. And the reality is faithfulness opens every single door that we need to walk through. Yes. Faithfulness to God's promise, looking at what obedience means in this moment. And I love what you said about not being results driven, but being obedience driven. It is so easy to look around us and say, hey, this is what's working. So this is what I'm going to do instead of aligning with the heart of God and saying, God, what do you ask of me in this season? Man, I'm getting fired up. I'm going to go back and listen to that. I'm not even kidding. I need to hear that again. I love it. So, so, so Don, we're, we're running out of time, but I, I want to ask you about what's happening in Peru this summer. I know, I know Messenger is incredibly honored 
uh, to be a covenant partner with what's happening in Peru this summer. And I can't wait to be back down there and see what God's going to do firsthand. But I would love for you to tell our listeners about what's happening and also to let them know ways that they can get involved. Addison, I am so outrageously excited for what's just around the corner in One Nation, One Day Peru 2019. And the last three One Nation, One Days, by the grace of God, we've been able to reach two and a half million people. We've been able to mobilize a total of 8,000 missionaries. And those, of course, happened in Honduras, the Dominican Republic of Nicaragua in 2013, 15, and 17, respectively. But God began to place in our heart about 18 months ago this idea that it was time for another leap. Just like we took that first big leap of faith into Honduras in 2011 leading up to 2013, it was time for us to jump again. And actually, this time, we are believing God to bring a team of 5,000 to Peru and then enlist a national team of missionaries of 5,000 as well. Just further to our conviction that the local church is God's plan A and there is no plan B, we've said we're not just going to ask the local Peruvians to be translators or administrative support. We're going to actually call them part of the team. They're going to stand side by side. They're going to do altar calls in their own high schools. The Peruvian government was so moved by this idea that they said, hey, if you're bringing 500 medical professionals as part of your team, we're going to get 500 of our doctors and medical professionals that work for the federal government, and we're going to call them to your side for those 10 days. So we actually have 500 Peruvian medical pros that are going to join our medical missions outreaches. And this dream of 10,000 missionaries is literally coming to life before our very eyes. This is a country of 32 million people. There's the coastal region, the mountainous region, and then the jungle region. It's really like three countries in one. Such diversity of topography and culture. But it is breathtaking to see not only the global church coming together for this moment, but to see Peru rising up. One of the words we felt over this campaign is that the faithfulness of the Church of Peru would generate a global promotion for the body of Christ. And we are seeing it from the largest churches in the country coming together to the most rural pastors and leaders. It's breathtaking. And Amen. it is unbelievable to see how messengers come alongside to resource, equip, and empower the church leadership in the country. Just from our conference in January, the testimonies across the country as we gathered 7,300 leaders has been breathtaking. And I can't even imagine we're face to face with 25,000 leaders this summer. John and Lisa speaking, of course, you guys will be there. The resources will be distributed. It is going to be amazing. And for those who might be listening today, I'll just say it is not too late. If you want to join the team and make history with us, it's nine days that you'll never forget for the rest of your life, the last week of June. And you can join Addison, myself, and 5,000 others coming from literally 33 nations across the world. And Together, we're going to lay a nation at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Dom, where, where should they go? If they want to get involved, what, what website should they visit? What should they do? The website is missions.me if you want to join the team, missions.me. Or if you just want information on the entire One Nation, One Day vision and history, onenationoneday.com. Dom, thank you so much. I know you're a busy man. I know you've got this massive initiative in Peru that you guys are planning. And so thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I know you've been an incredible blessing to our listeners. It's been such a privilege. We love you guys. So, so excited uh, for this incredible season and to be in covenant with Messenger and the Bevere family. Thanks, Tom. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode 
of our Reset Church series and take a moment to go learn more about Missions Me and One Nation One Day. I promise this is something you're going to want to be a part of. And as we wind down the episode today, remember, you are a messenger to the people in your world. Your life is a message. So lean into God's grace and watch your world change. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time. Thank you.